Hello, I'm Janus. And I'm Tessa. Welcome to our podcast that celebrates wordiness and nerdiness and sometimes plain absurdiness. Please join us for today's episode of Your Your New New Favorite Favorite Word. Welcome! Thank you for joining us for episode 32 of Your New Favorite Word. One of our favorite things recently has been hearing various listeners and friends say that our humble podcast has made them more aware of the words they hear every day and more conscious of the meanings and histories of those words. We loved this so much. Thank you to everyone who has shared this thought with us. Words are beautiful things, aren't they? They definitely are. This week, we're going to start things off with Tessa. What wonderful words are you going to share with us today? (laughs) Well, I hope you'll think they're wonderful. (laughs) uh, Over the past couple of weeks, I've been listening to an audiobook, and I came across a word in this book that was bromide, B-R-O-M-I-D-E. Now, I don't know about you, but that word sounds like a chemical term to me. Yeah, totally. But in the context, it was more like a platitude or a cliché. And so I was really interested in this word. So I looked it up, and the American Heritage Dictionary defines one of the definitions of bromide as a commonplace remark or notion, a platitude. Oh, really? And the Oxford English Dictionary gives an example from 1926. The old bromide that poetry never sells is once again proved to be wrong. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, or it could also mean a tiresome person or a bore. (laughs) (laughs) So another example from OED 1909, bromides are dull, partly because everyone pretends to understand them. (laughs) (laughs) The original meaning of this word, though, proved me right. It was a chemical term. So in 1836, this word is first attested in English. A compound of bromine and another metal or radical used medicinally as a sedative. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so it would... Be like us using the word sedative or a brand name like Ambien as a slang term for a boring person or a trite <laughs> phrase. Something that puts us to sleep or somebody that does that. Yeah. So that, that connection makes sense. But uh, this figurative sense of the word, meaning a trite phrase, was popularized by a man named Frank Gillette Burgess. Now, I'd never heard of him before I did this research. But I was interested to find some ways that he's left a legacy in our culture and language. So I thought I'd focus a little bit on that today. So Burgess was an artist, an art critic, a poet, an author, and a humorist. And I'll put a link to an article about him in the show notes that you can read more about his life. A very interesting person. But in 1906, he wrote a book, and there's a link to the actual book that you can read online in the show notes. And the title of this book is, are you ready for this? (laughs) (laughs) Are you a bromide? Or, the sulfitic theory expounded and exemplified according to the most recent researches into the psychology of boredom, including many well-known bromidiums now (laughs) in use. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so in this book, there are among other things, uh, is a list of different bromides or trite phrases, which he calls bromidiums, which that word alone makes me know that Mr. Burgess is our people. Yes, yes. Kindred (laughs) spirit. Yes, definitely. So 
He helped found a monthly humor magazine known as The Lark, which ran from 1895 to 1897. And one article says, the lark began as a lark, but was more successful than its makers intended. So he had quite a following uh, of subscribers that really enjoyed his humor. He's most well known for his humor. And my new favorite quote from Mr. Burgess is, to appreciate nonsense requires a serious interest in life. (laughs) (laughs) And although he did some serious writing, he was, as I said, most known for his humor. And in the very first issue of The Lark, he wrote a poem that might sound familiar to you. And the title of it is The Purple Cow, Reflections on a Mythic Beast Who's Quite Remarkable, at Least. So even the title rhymes. And here's the poem. I never saw a purple cow. I never hoped to see one. But I can tell you anyhow, I'd rather see than be one. (laughs) Now this is... A poem that's been widely quoted and even more widely parodied in our culture. Yeah. And I will put another link in the show notes that is a blog post that quotes some of the best of these parodies. I really enjoyed reading that. But if you want to see how Burgess himself felt about this fame tied to this particular poem, you can read a poem that he later wrote called... Confession, and a portrait, too, upon a background that I rue. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes, I wrote The Purple Cow. I'm sorry now I wrote it, but I can tell you anyhow, I'll kill you if you quote it. (laughs) (laughs) So he was not so happy that this was his main way of being remembered in our culture. But another thing that he added, his legacy, is the word blurb. Oh, no kidding. B-L-U-R-B. So that's a brief testimonial or excerpt of a review as on a book jacket, right? So the blurb on the inside cover or on the back cover that tells how great the book is. Some sources, most of the sources I found said that he actually coined this word himself. Um, Edam Online says that he actually popularized it from a previous use by another author the year before. Okay. Hard to know exactly. But... Anyway, he is the one who popularized it for sure, either way. And on the book, Are You a Bromide, that I mentioned earlier, he put a jacket and created a facetious testimonial on the greatness (laughs) of the book, including a humorous photograph of Miss Melinda Blurb in the act of blurbing. (laughs) And there's a link in the show notes to that actual blurb. It's quite humorous. That's awesome. Yeah. So I just wanted to add Frank Gillette Burgess to my own and possibly to your list of interesting writers who have coined interesting words. Love it. Yeah. Surprising number of those. Yeah. So I loved making a new friend from... (laughs) linguistic history today that's great that's great (laughs) so how about you Jameis what do you have for us okay well last week I returned to work at base camp a job I actually had to leave six years ago for personal reasons but when I announced my return on Twitter I described the intervening six years as a hiatus and a reply from one listener Christian Steinmeier focused on that word saying Congratulations, and I think I just need to look up hiatus now to see where that originates from. (laughs) Hashtag my new favorite word. Oh, another listener. I love it. I love it. So with an encouragement like that, how could I not do likewise? (laughs) So hiatus. I've only ever encountered the word when it describes a span of time, 
like taking a break from something. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard it used in another sense, Tessa? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So, I mean, it comes to English pretty much direct from Latin, which is no surprise. In fact, the Latin word it comes from is spelled exactly as we spell it and means a gap or an opening. Hmm. It is in Latin a past participle of hiare, which means to gape or stand open, <laughs> and which is hypothesized to come from a Proto-Indo-European root meaning to yawn, gape, or be wide open. Ooh, wow. So, hiatus. Now, the earliest uses of hiatus are from the 1500s, and unsurprisingly, the sense of the word was very different then. It was used as it might have been in Latin to describe a gap or an opening. For example, the OED quotes the following from 1599. Hades was below, and Abraham's bosom was above, and between them both a great huge hiatus. Oh, wow. So we are in the hiatus here in mortal life. <laughs> yeah, something like that, this hiatus. It's also been used humorously to refer to a tear or hole in clothing, like a hiatus in one's sock. <laughs> I thought that was fun. And also has specific meanings in both logic and grammar. But it's also been used in its modern sense for centuries, since the 1600s at least, applying metaphorically to a gap in time or a break in the continuity of some sequence. But this is where it really got interesting for me, when I stopped to consider the fact that there is a hypothesized Proto-Indo-European root for hiatus. This means that historical linguists have found multiple other words that they conjecture share a common ancestry with it. And I had to wonder, what are these words? That's exactly what I was wondering. <laughs> I thought you might get to it, so I didn't ask. <laughs> so the answer is both surprising and delightful. <laughs> we get the word chaos oh. from a Greek root meaning abyss, that which gapes wide open, oh, that it. which is vast and empty. Wow. Chaos. And it comes from the same P-I-E root. Chasm, too, is a relative by the, a similar family tree. Makes so much sense. Yeah, just that the hiatus is this chasm, right? This opening, gaping pit. I wouldn't have been able to pull those out, though. No, just... me neither. And the rest are even more surprising. Yawn <laughs> is hypothesized to belong to this family. I would have guessed it was onomatopoetic, like yawn, right? Yeah, definitely. But no, it comes to English via Germanic instead of Latin, but still possibly from that same P-I-E Wow, mood. I love it. Yawn. And I love, too, that yawn is used to describe the meaning of hiatus, like to yawn or gape wide open. <laughs> Which brings us to some other words that come via the same Germanic root. We have gap. <laughs> Possibly gape and gasp. Wow. And even perhaps gop. G-A-W-P. <laughs> <laughs> What's the meaning of gop? Like astonishment, right? To just be agog almost. Wow. So I love that interpretation of gawk as being characterized by one's mouth gaping open, right? <laughs> gop. <laughs> and the chaos of his <laughs> <laughs> But my favorite cousin of hiatus is a word from more scientific circles. Dehiss. D-E-H-I-S-C-E. Okay. Dehiss. Never heard that one. Me neither. This word is from Latin dehiscere, meaning to open in chinks, to gape or yawn, <laughs> and comes from hiare, the same Latin root as hiatus. But whereas most folks are familiar with hiatus, perhaps only the botanists among us will know dehiss, which describes the action of some part of a plant, like the fruit. 
when it splits open to expose the seeds. Oh. Like to gape open, right? Yeah, I can just envision that from it that is. word. It's very descriptive. So I feel like the word is um, ripe <laughs> for a wider use as a metaphor, <laughs> such as when some process is about ready to bear fruit. We might hope, for example, that a vaccine for COVID-19 is on the verge of dehiscence. <laughs> dehiscence. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so fascinating. Yeah, it was really fun. Just very surprising relatives to hiatus. Definitely. Well, we are so glad to have been here with you for this episode today. And we hope that you will continue to enjoy your new favorite word. And at any time, we would love to hear from you. What is your new favorite word? Thank you.